And so this morning, won't we turn our Bibles to Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And He summoned the crowd with His disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after Me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of Me and My Word in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of Him when He comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege it is to open up Your Word, to be able to read it, and to get some meaning that is very precious. And we yet know that there are hard statements that You have made. To humans, it can be very sounding like uh, harsh words. But they are words of truth and words that must be proclaimed, must be believed. Now, Lord, as we uh, enter it in Your Word, may, uh, may I be able to get out of the way and that You speak. You speak through Your Word and Your Spirit just using a, a rough voice, just using something that can bring us more closer to You and desiring You more than ever. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, as we go through the book of Mark, we have arrived at what is at the heart of the book of Mark. We have already looked a little bit of that last week when we uh, talked about Peter's confession of Christ. And of course, you might see some of the pictures if you remember. That's possibly where they could have been speaking at as we talk about today and uh, especially as uh, we were looking at it last week, uh, that area that's around Caesarea Philippi, Banius is uh, the name that it's known as, uh, the place of Pan, uh, the gates of Hades it was also known as, as you see that cave up there. Um, that's the way the pagans looked at it. And of course, Jesus said on this confession that Peter made and that being the rock, Christ being the rock also, that the gates of Hades shall not prevail against that. And uh, it will not, never has, and never will. This is the area that we're at. It's a, it's a beautiful place, and uh, he's teaching the disciples, and there's a crowd around, and now he's going to get the crowd into it again as uh, he so often does. So we're in the midst of a place of this Gospel of Mark that I would consider to be a diamond, that I would consider to be a jewel, a pearl here that we're looking at today. And I'm going to fall short of the way that it needs to be brought out. But at the same time, we can see Jesus' words and see how truthful and actually brutally honest this is. So we've heard this many, many times. We can take Scriptures for granted sometimes. But this is how Jesus wants and will have people come to Him and then live the Christian faith. 
Matter of fact, Jesus holds back no punches whatsoever. He doesn't hold back anything. He brings forth the truth. He doesn't induce people into a weak, need, watered-down, false pretense of a gospel. And that is what we see in our evangelical church today so much. What He does, He challenges His hearers that we look at today and, and of course, ourselves, even believers, we're challenged. Uh, He offers a way... Sounds so opposite the way the world would, but he offers a way that leads to death. Would you sign up for that? I mean, I can see a an army sergeant recruiting somebody, and he's not going to first start talking about that they are going uh, to die. They might very well die. They don't start off with that. I don't think. I have not been recruited, and I don't plan on that anytime soon. But I will tell you, that would not um, be uh, appealing to uh, much of the masses, hardly anybody. I want to tell you that Jesus' words are weighty and solemn. These are not my words. These are His. They are powerful indeed. Uh, They are there to correct the mistaken views that the disciples had about the nature of the kingdom and the way that they thought it was going to be. And in this section, we will see that truth is of the deepest importance. This is a deeply important section. So, and this has been to the to the church for the last two thousand years, and it's still here. This is the way to life, folks. This is the way to life. It's the way to heaven. It's the way to joy. It's the way to peace, as he says. Deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. John MacArthur said that uh, this invitation deals a death blow to man-centered, self-centered invitations. This is not an invitation to health or wealth or fulfillment or prosperity or healing or a boosted self-image or trouble-free living. This is an invitation to self-denial, cross-bearing, and obedience But this is the Lord's invitation and this is the one that we must give if we would be faithful. That's our invitation that we give. The same thing that He gave. And yeah, it's not going to be popular. Yeah, people are not going to like that. And you can imagine when you say things like this, people might want to get away from you. (laughs) And that's what He's talking about right here. Much uh, of the methods today are so far removed from the way that Jesus offered this Gospel. Now, this is getting in its completed form now. He's talking, he's already talked about his death and burial and his resurrection. Nobody's getting it. But uh, let's not be mistaken. These are very hard sayings. And uh, so, as as we look at this in the context of the whole gospel, the whole book of Mark, you can see how important. This text is, and and of course, Peter's confession. Jesus said this, talking about hard sayings. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. He said that. What do you mean? didn't come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. When somebody becomes a believer... They are immediately alienated from some relationships that used to be so important. 
And you try to keep those relationships, but it cannot happen. Some do. And I think everyone in this room, if you're a believer, has suffered some of that. Where you have some of family that turns against you. He went on to say, Who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who doesn't take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Wow. That is quite a statement. If you were asked to join some kind of a club and they said things like that, I think you might say, uh, I'm out of here. Jesus talked about the high cost to follow. People want miracles. That's what they wanted here in the Gospels. That's what they want today. They want peace. They want joy. They want heaven. They want forgiveness. They want eternal life. They want things that are all good. And that's well. That's good to want those things. But that's not what we're after. The cost is very high, even though it's free. Sounds like in Isaiah, where it talks about it, it cost but yet it's free. How do, you, how do you make that? You have to be willing to hate your own life. If he's talking about hating mother and father and brother and sister and all any kind of people, then he's definitely talking about hating our lives. Well, what do you mean be willing to hate our lives? Well, our life itself gets in the way. And he's not necessarily talking about we're around being haters of ourselves and being loathsome in that sense, but and we'll get into that a little bit more. But we're talking about, hey, having my life now the way it is and I just keep on bouncing around just the way that I, I like it. I like that this is my life. And you know what? We just want to add Jesus to the rest of our lives. Right? We just add to our lives and nothing else changes. Uh, We just kind of have Him for our insurance. He demands much more than just adding. I want to tell you, it can be brutal. I don't have enough words to bring this out. Matter of fact, it can even cause our death. This Gospel. Jesus Christ. It does cost you. It costs you your very will the will that wants to keep on doing. You know, there, there is a, a free will. That free will is in the sense of doing everything that's sinful. You know, we don't have a will to choose God, obviously. We know that. We beat that very many times. But the, the, the thing is, the, the, the will that we were having as a depraved man, that was our nature, would just continue on to do that. And we have, when we come to Christ, our will is broken. I don't want my will anymore. I want God's will. Matter of fact, it'll cost you your will. It'll cost you your life. Because you'll no longer be that person anymore. And Ephesians talks about a dead man. We were once that. And now, you know, we've been changed. How does this all fit in with last week? Peter is asked by Jesus, who do you say that I am? And, of course, he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's on a mountain peak. He hit it. Boom. Ten. Fireworks are going off. This is just a super thing that's just happened. 
The confession that Peter says is right on. You are the Messiah. He finally gets it. The disciples get it. And then Jesus then tells Peter and the rest of the disciples that he'd have to suffer and die and then be raised up. Well, they don't hear the raised up. They hear the suffering and the dying. And we know what Peter does. We looked at that. Of course, Peter rebuked Jesus. And immediately, Jesus rebuked Peter. Who is Peter to talk back to God? You, oh man, who are you to talk to the potter like that, right? Get behind me, Satan, Jesus even said. These are harsh sayings that Jesus starts with here. Jesus related that. This has to be the way. I have to die. I have to suffer. I have to die. And I'll resurrect. They don't hear the resurrect. They hear this part. And boy, no, 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 no. You don't have to die. Don't do that. He has to suffer and take up the cross so everybody would follow him, the ones that are his. This is the cost of discipleship. It's the pathway that Jesus walked. And it's the pathway that you as Christians walk. It's the pathway for anybody who's not a Christian is challenged to come on and walk that path. So we must walk that path, folks. Let's uh, pick it up in verse 34. And He summoned the crowd with His disciples said to them, If anyone wishes to come after Me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow Me. There's no other way. Jesus is the only way. But we must be on the same path as He. Because He said that. I am the way. I am the truth. No man comes to the Father but through Me. He's the path. You know what? There's no glory without suffering. There's no crown without a cross. Have you experienced those? This is a kind of a reaffirmation to the disciples because they've already been called to follow Him. And they just left everything. They left the um, Sea of Galilee, the fishing business. Some of them did. Some, uh, one of them left uh, the tax business that he was um, running and it was very lucrative. I think of Matthew. They left everything to follow Christ. So they've already done that. The only thing is, they haven't realized that uh, there's a requirement that Jesus is saying, and we're talking about self-denial. We're talking about a cross. And Jesus now puts this in to the heart of the message. We've seen Him, uh, what, two and a half years. Of course, we haven't been studying this two and a half years, but that's what's been going on. And now he comes up with this grand statement after Peter makes that confession. You know what? There's a crowd. So he summons the crowd. He's been teaching the disciples. One on twelve. Now here come the other people. Brings them up. It's a clear invitation to them. Who would, some of them might like to make a commitment of what this commitment requires. What would they do with that? Well, he says, I want everybody to hear this. I want 
to be known clearly. That there is no mistake about this. There is self-denial. And I want to tell you, does that ever go up against the grain of the thinking of our world today? It's the exact opposite. Self-image, self-esteem. Remember that stuff that started coming out in the 70s, especially in the 80s? It just blew open a, a, a big door and even came in the Christian church and the body of Christ, I mean, in the bookstores. I mean, we had all these books that were coming in. I'm going, whoa, 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 this is really, this is not good. And uh, I tried to weed out those kind of things. Some books that were coming in, though, saying this kind of stuff here. I'm going, yeah, that's... There's a self-esteem. The self-esteem is really to die. And what we really want is Christ-esteem. It's in Him that we find anything. Denial, what does it mean? It means to disown. What did He mean when He said deny? They knew exactly what He meant. He meant to disassociate with. You disassociate with yourself. Your old self. Can you do that? You disown yourself. Now, denying is denying self is not the same as self-denial. You have to think about that for a moment. Be a little tricky. But self-denial is kind of like to deny um, some chocolate. Oh, I think I'll go on a fast for the next day and not eat a Hershey's chocolate bar. <laughs> for the next two days, I won't drink soda. I'm denying that. Right? That's a, that's a what a, a self-denial, giving up something. You know, people during Lent, you know, have them giving up some little thing, you know, that doesn't mount the hill of beans. This is talking about giving up ourselves, our very selves. My life is no longer about me. My, you know what? That is what's dying daily is about. You know, we still all here, sitting right here today, every one of us. I'm telling you, you may not know it. You need to be awakened to this. But you have a problem with yourself. We, we still battle with sin. That flesh. That's, that's what we're talking about. The flesh. My life is no longer about my agenda. My plans. What I want to do. I want to do that. I feel comfortable. This, I just want to do this. I don't care about anybody else. I, ooh, that's not what Jesus is talking about. We're in this for the long haul. Are you, are you for real? Are you really true? Right? You no longer want to associate with your former self. Now, Peter, <laughs> Peter denied the Lord. Remember? Three times. There's that word deny. What did he do? Well, he disassociated with him. Uh, hey, you, you're with Jesus, aren't you? Oh, no, no, no. I, I don't know him. I have no idea who he is. He denied him, didn't he? He disowned him for that moment, at least to that girl and man. As he kept on denying, kept on doing it. And that's the thought that we're talking about ourselves. I don't want to associate with my old self anymore. I see my sinfulness. You know what? I hate my sin. I hate it. I want to deny that self. Abandon. To, to, to deny is dealing with abandon and uh, abandoning our self-confidence. No confidence in the flesh. 
confidence is in the Lord. To den- deny our self-will. I hate my will. And when we pray, we say, in the Lord's will. Right? Lord, and if you're willing. Right? Ooh. No to self and comfort. Oh, we are people of the age of comfort. Everything has to be comfort. Comfort, comfort. And then we want more comfort and comfort and comfort. Denying self says no to the natural love of ease and comfort. Oh, we like to be taken to easy. Ease. Isn't that nice? Hey, I'm not pointing fingers because it's coming back here. Because I know I like things to be easy. I like to be comfortable. Is it wrong to be comfortable sometimes? No. You know what I mean. When there are times that we need to be doing the Lord's work or being doing something to honor and glorify Him. To be with His people. Do the things that Christians do. And it's a lot more comfortable just taking it easy. He's not talking about that. I abandon and reject all that I am, all my desires, all my ambitions. And that's the key point. My. My ambitions. My will. Myself. We can have ambitions that can glorify God. And don't deny those. (laughs) Because He gives those to you. All the things that you desire, and if you're following the Lord's will, then those are the things that glorify God. You don't deny that. You just keep that's being obedient. But we're talking about dying to self. We must die. We're a society that believes in rights. I'm glad we have some rights, citizenship rights. But we tend to to move that over in our Christian lives. Everything is my right. I, that's my right. I have this right. This is my right. We think we have a right to everything, you know. Matter of fact, I have a right to anything that I want. No, 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 <laughs> no. Jesus is saying, what, what is he saying? Give up all your rights <laughs> as a Christian. You are no longer your own. You are not your own. And how many times do you see in Scripture that we belong to Him? You are a slave. I am a slave of Christ. Does that sound harsh? I rejoice in it. I am proud to say I'm a slave. I'm glad I'm serving Him. And it's only because of Him that I can say that because I wouldn't naturally want to be a slave. A slave of Christ? Are you kidding me? No, not at all. I don't own myself. And nobody ever has. It's just when we come to the conclusion of what the Lord is talking about in His Word, we go, oh, yeah, I'm not my own. He bought me with a price. He bought me. He owns me. He can do anything He wants with me, and He does. (laughs) Ooh, does that go against the message? Because everything is about self today. Have you noticed that? Notice on the commercials? Everything is about yourself. Yourself. Please yourself. And I was talking to the guys earlier this morning. Sometimes little songs, little ditties come back from the 70s, 60s. And you guys know some of those songs. Some of you, I I don't want to date myself. (laughs) But there was a song, and I really actually kind of kiped this from uh, Alistair Begg. 
And he's always coming up with a song. And people cut him down for that sometimes because he comes up with a secular song. And, you know, he grew up with that. But he shows the foolishness of most secular songs. Listen to the words. Go back and look at them and say, Oh, wow, I was singing that back then? Yeah, I did it for a living. I didn't like a lot of them. You remember the song, This Is My Life? Leave Me Alone. You remember that line? I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to try. This is my life. Leave me alone. <laughs> Alistair gave us a little bonus because he started off with just singing the first parts and he said, name that tune. <laughs> name that tune in three notes. He says, oh yeah, you all got it. But he says, it took me uh, quite a few days. I kept going over that and then it finally came to him what it was. This is my life. Leave me alone. You don't have the right to tell. Don't come into my life. Don't get into me. You know what it does? It means giving up your independence. Giving up your trust in yourself, in your confidence, in what you are by your nature and your flesh. We depend on Christ alone. Depending on Him. Galatians 2.20. Oh, I love this. Everybody has this memorized, don't you? Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's no longer I who live. We might have remembered that. Some of us that go back 20 years ago, we used to sing that song. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself gave Himself, God gave Himself up for me. That is the ultimate self-sacrifice. See, we're dealing with self here. Deny self. Deny self. Sometimes we forget about that. Yeah, it happened when we came to Christ because He drew us and, you know, He kills the old man, but yet there's that flesh that hangs on and it hangs on, and it just hangs on. It's not forever, but He's hanging on. And as long as we live, He keeps hanging on. You know? Giving us these ridiculous thoughts. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 and 8. 4 through 8. Oh, you might remember this. Here's Paul. This is Saul. This is Saul's life. Although I myself... There we go might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. (laughs) Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But, don't you like that three-letter word? Like in Ephesians chapter 2, but God, who's rich in mercy, look at this. But whatever things were gained to me, <laughs> those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish 
so that I may gain Christ and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. He is what our lives are all about. Tim. 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 It's all Christ. It's in Christ who we live. That's where we live. Matthew 5.3 in the Sermon on the Mount. I have to wonder how early in his ministry this sermon came. I think it came very early. The Beatitudes, everybody knows them. How lovely, sweet, beautiful words that come out of sweet Jesus' mouth. I want to tell you, no. It's not so sweet when you understand what He's saying. Yes, Jesus is sweet. But whenever He opened His mouth, He began to teach them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is He saying? That sounds kind of nice. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Can you see some holy man? with all the flowers around Him and everything, and He's smiling. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the ones who realize they have nothing to offer God. They are absolutely zero. They're less than zero. They are dirt. They're less than dirt. They're nothing. You know? They are poor. They're bankrupt. They have nothing to offer God. He says, you're blessed. You're blessed. Because you have the kingdom of heaven. You realize that you're nothing and you need Me and you're willing to deny yourself, forget uh, forget yourself, take up the cross and follow Me. That's why you're blessed. Of course, God made it that way, didn't He? Mm -hmm. We come to Him as beggars. That's what we did. We came to Him as beggars. We came to Him having nothing. Nothing is nothing. Nothing I have is worthy of salvation. And to see Him as sovereign over my life, which I wouldn't have had before. I wouldn't want anybody running my life. I don't think anybody here does, naturally. But when you start thinking about Jesus ruling and reigning, controlling your life, it's a rather pleasant thought. Now, aren't you glad because I didn't do so good before. I never really controlled things anyway. I thought I did. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to be. (laughs) And that's exactly what happened. God laughed at me. (laughs) No, that's not what you're going to be. And I just kept right on going. Man, this is what I want to do. I said, no, that's not going to be Psalm 34, verse 18. Dying to self. You've got to be kidding me. They don't say that in the churches that I've heard about. Hopefully they are now. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, Poor in spirit. Blessed are the brokenhearted. The Lord is near to them. He saves the ones who are crushed. The ones who need God. The ones who really need Him. He came not as a physician to the ones who were righteous, but to the unrighteous ones. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all, says in Psalm 38, 19. How about 51? Psalm 51, verse 
Psalm 51, 17. Penitent Psalm. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. We don't raise ourselves up against Him. We just melt. Broken. We realize we're broken people who turn to a God who puts us back together. That's what He's doing. We were bankrupt. We were broken hearted. We were desperate. Only Christ was the answer. So, a person who is bankrupt gives up everything he has and that's nothing. (laughs) True spiritual growth is on a downward. The roots of our lives go down deep into the ground on solid rock but the roots go in. And as we grow as Christians, we start to have lower estimates of ourselves. We see ourselves as not as important anymore. We used to think we were so important. A deepening realization of our unworthiness. The Pharisee and the sinner. Pharisee thinks he's good. I'm glad I'm not like him. What's the other guy saying? Can't even look up into heaven. Have mercy on me. Have mercy. You know what? As we start learning how unworthy we are, now to flip it on the other side, we start realizing how glorious God is. Isn't that the beauty of it? And I'm glad that He desires to control my life. Look at the glory. Look at this awesomeness. The majesty, the supremacy of God. The excellencies of His majesty. Wow. And now all of a sudden, that kind of takes care of the old self for a little while as you're thinking on that, doesn't it? Doesn't that put things into perspective? His holiness. And we stay. We keep thinking on ourselves and just go back to His holiness, His grace. My life! Don't leave me alone, Lord. The way I want it. It's no longer important. And the more and more you grow in Christ, the more you have that kind of thinking. And that is not stinking thinking. That is right thinking. That's what we want. Listen, don't give up. Guys, don't give up. I want to tell you, this church started something like 27 years ago. 28, something like that. You want to know something? It's amazing what God has done in that time. And you start thinking... During that time, He has cut things off in my own life. Cut this off. Cut that off. Cut, 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 cut. Another cut. Another cut. Another cut. A continuous cut. Cut. Just everywhere. And you realize all through that time, it's a daily thing. 
27 years goes by awful quick. It just moves along. But at the same time, you can see how what he's been doing and uh, you start realizing how unworthy we really are and look at him and what he did and then brought us to that. We know that. But, um, hey, I'm not important. Everybody's striving for an important position. It just, it just takes a little bit away from us, but we grow more in the Lord. Now, what do you mean take up your cross? That's the next statement. Denying self and take up the cross. Jesus hadn't even died on the cross. And the disciples are hearing this. They're having enough trouble and he says, take up your cross. What? He's going to die and he said, take up your cross. They don't know about the jewelry yet. They haven't done that yet, the crosses. It's not that. They knew what the cross meant. The cross meant that they saw thousands of their own Jewish people crucified just outside the city. And sometimes there would be like thousands at a time. I think during the time of Christ, there were 30,000 Jews crucified by the Romans. It's pretty immense. That's a lot. They were... uh, the disciples were used to this kind of concept. They know what the cross means, what crucifixion is. Everybody would see them as they would go along the highway. It was for all to see. It was a public notice. Do anything against our government. This is you. Don't you dare, right? And they knew that they would have to drag that part of that cross with them to the place of their own execution. They knew people would have to do that. Jesus says, take up that cross. Put it on you. (laughs) Boy, this is suffering beyond all description. He's making a point. They don't get it. They will later because they all took up the cross. Not all of them died by the crucifix, but Peter possibly did. story goes... This is the way that Jesus was going to die. And he's also saying this, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to follow my reproach. I'm headed toward death, and frankly, so are you. Don't give up. Don't give up. There are times when you feel like giving up. And you know what? People have gotten older. You know, in the church, we've all gotten older. We were young people when we started. So young, 20s and 30s. 40s, 50s. 60s, 70s. 80s. You know what? That's interesting. Don't give up. Finish well. Matter of fact, we should be doing better spiritually now than ever before because we've lived through some things that talk about these things. And as you can say, well, I can't really ever, uh, identify with the suffering yet because I'm young and I know it's coming but, and I'm waiting for that thing to drop any moment. It's not trying to scare you. Jesus is just saying this is what's going to happen. This is part of life. This is life. 
This is life here. It's not life for eternity. Matter of fact, it's just for a moment. But what are we saying? Jesus is saying, I'm headed toward death and you are too. Well, we may not all suffer the death that He did or even for our faith. And the times we live in, that really doesn't happen much yet, but it very well could. The metaphor here, that's what this is, this this cross metaphor is for suffering. And Not every believer who comes to Christ is going to suffer hard. They're all going to suffer, but in different ways. But there is rejection by family. Rejection by relatives, by the people we work with, by our neighbors, people we know, just people we don't know, but yet we know. I wonder what they're thinking about me because they know I'm a Christian. You know, that's part of that, but some get it really hard. I think many of you here have had the family thing. You've had to deal with that. I know that. You have to endure rejection, reproach, shame. What the Lord is saying is that the cross has come as a consequence because you're walking in Christ's path. To take up your cross means to deliberately, you know full well you're choosing a pathway of rejection. Most of the people are not going to really agree with what you are doing. It's a, it's a pathway of suffering. It can be a, a pathway of loneliness. A betrayal of denial. Of hatred, insults, persecution. Mental anguish. Even death. Even death for Christ's sake. For Christ and the Gospels. I think he says that, doesn't he? Verse 35, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. It's all about His sake, His will. It's all about Him. Now I know people are going to say, well, we all have our crosses to bear. Crosses are not simply trials. We're just not talking about trials here or hardships. Crosses are not your mother-in-law. A bad boss. That's, that's my that's my cross to bear. I got a bad boss, or or a, a nagging wife, or a, a husband that uh, is a is a wife beater, or wayward children, or even some kind of illness or ailment. That's still not what the Lord is talking about here. The cross comes specifically because you're walking in Christ's footsteps. That's what it is. You inherit that. Did you know when you embraced the narrow way, it was the narrow way of the cross? Uh, the cross. All who are Christians actually prove the reality of their faith. That's the good part. Because if you're a Christian, you do do this. Because Christ, Holy Spirit, works in you. You work it out. You might try to push back, but I, I will tell you, He will keep putting you up against the wall until you finally get it. All who are Christians actually prove the route of their faith by carrying the cross. All who desire to live godly in Christ will be persecuted. On this earth, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be conflict. But the glory at the end is forever and it is worth it all. It is worth it. And you say, Dennis, man, you're giving a real negative message here today. I'm getting bad vibes. That's from the 70s, sorry. Suffering and death. Look in 1 Corinthians 15.31. 1 
Oh, that's the resurrection chapter. Oh, okay. I think we can handle that. 1 Corinthians 15.31 I affirm, brethren, by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. As he is talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Paul is talking about himself too and he's saying, I'm dying daily. That's what's happening. I'm dying. Every day, I mean, persecution. There was a sense that he could have died from so much of what was going on. Suffering and death. Paul writes about that. But Peter did too. And on our Wednesday night studies, of course, we finished our first Peter, the reality of the Christian life. And we got all hyped up on that. It's a very encouraging book. Although we read verses like this, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exultation. That's where it's heading. We're running the race. It's painful. Man, this is a marathon. I've gone 15 miles. I was feeling pretty good, but now I've hit the 20th mile. I've got to keep going. Because I know at the end, well, not the Boston Marathon, but I know at the end that I will make it there, right? I will get there. I will get there. We know that the Lord will get us through this. So the call to discipleship is very radical. Radical call. And in fact, it's a march. It's a march to danger and death. We're all going to die. And we praise the Lord that this physical body will die. We don't, we're not wishing that on right now, okay? <laughs> but we're saying it is a celebration when it happens because we're out of this and we're in the very presence of God. Good news there, right? Mm-hmm. Heavy as that cross may seem, Jesus will give us grace to bear this cross. Always gives us grace. It's a grace-filled life, isn't it? Even when we go through things, grace, grace. And then he says, back in Mark, die yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. What does he mean, follow me? Akolutheo. Follow. Imitate. Walk the way that he walked. Well, how did he walk? What did he do? You want to be like Christ. Because that's what He's doing. He's making you like Christ. Christ went to the cross because He saw the glory beyond the cross. He went there to die for us, but He knew that that wasn't where He was going to wind up. It was because of the joy. It was a joy path. I think you think about it in Hebrews. For the joy that was set before Him. The joy that's set before me is the cross. And we're called to obedience. We're called to follow Him. We're called to obedience. That's the mark of discipleship. Obedience. Are we? Are we desiring to be obedient to Him in everything? Look in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. It's a high call. Aren't you glad you were called? 1 John 2, 6. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. The same walk. Look in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 
8.31. Just a Jesus statement here. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed Him, they they believed His miracles, and they you know hey anybody can can believe the demons believe right. That doesn't necessarily mean that they were you know like Christian believers. There are many just he knew what their heart was. He says, okay, you're looking like a believer here, but if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Don't quit. Have you heard that this morning? Don't give up. Don't give up. It can be easy to give up. I'm tired. I'm tired, Lord. Just take me now. Don't give up. He's got something planned for you here every day. Don't give up. Don't quit. Continue. If you continue, you will show that you are truly a Christian. You will persevere. It's not of your own work. It's by the grace of Him. It's all by His plan. But this will show that you are a true believer by continuing to abide in His Word. I've known people who quit. I'm not so sure if they quit being a Christian or not, because you can't. If you really belong to Christ, you're, you're there forever. He bought you for eternity. Like it or not. No. <laughs> I'm sure you're there. Yeah, better like it. But we will show and prove that we're for real. As time goes on, we're hanging on to Him. Might be feeling like a slither that we're hanging on. But we're hanging on to Him. Abiding in His Word. I've known some people who have quit. They quit the Word. They quit everything. They quit being around Christians. They quit going to church. They quit... They they didn't really like anything about the Christian realm. Probably is because they saw these things here that we're reading here today. It's just not worth it to them. And they get out. They stop. They quit. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know the truth. Yeah, I know Jesus is the way. I believe that. But there's no fruit there. In fact, there never was. It sure looked like fruit, but it was artificial. You ever seen those artificial trees? Man, those apples really look pretty good. And you start going up there close to them. Johnny there can probably see an apple tree, and it could be it could be fake, and it'd be a mile away. I can guarantee you that that's not real. <laughs> he knows the apples, right? But the thing is, is that Christ knows who those are real. And it's convincing to us when we look back saying, yeah, I'm still in it. I don't know why I'm still in it, only except for the Lord, because there are times that I wanted to, to quit. There are times that I wanted to just give it up. You say, man, Dennis, you read my mind here? Yeah, because I'm reading my mind. Because I know that it does happen. We do just want to quit, give up, lay down. Out on the track, we're running and just, uh, that's it, I'm tired. Just plop yourself down on the track, that's it. I've had it. Eh, he doesn't let us do that, though, does he? Well, if you want to follow Christ, you have to fight daily. You have to crucify the flesh, mortify the deeds of the flesh. If we don't carry the cross, we'll never wear the crown. Hey, if I had something different, I'd tell you. But this is good news. This is really good news. If you want to follow me, Christ says, don't 
think about your physical life, your physical life is not necessarily going to improve. Don't think comfort is awaiting you in this life. But it will require commitment and cost. Only Christ who starts changing our thinking would a man say yes. You know what? By nature, if you heard a gospel like it, now the gospel that can be offered in a cheap way, well, sure, yeah, I like this. Man, this is, you know, it's entertainment and everything is going to be good and look at the money that's going to start coming my way. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to believe in all of this stuff and the more I believe in it, the more I'll get a helicopter and a million dollar mansion and just everything's going to be good. That's the popular preaching of our day. It's all over the TV. Man, it's on all those networks. I'm glad I don't watch Christian TV. And you can say, Dennis, what do you mean by that? Well, there isn't much good on there. Matter of fact, most of it is despicable. It's, it, it, the Lord would despise it because it's the opposite of what we are just talking about right here. It's spitting at the Lord right in His face. And so, I call all those guys out. They're not telling people to follow Christ in this way. Hey, you come here. Here's what you'll benefit. Here's what you get. The earthly things, it requires commitment. Matter of fact, it might, whatever you get, you might have to give away. Or you might have to give some of it away. Are you willing to be a Christian under these kind of circumstances? What are you trying to do? Get, get rid of the people in the church, Dennis? All right. I get away with it. Been doing it for 28 years. <laughs> Thank you. As a matter of fact, it just shows that God makes people persevere. Others don't, and that's sad. It really is sad. We've seen several people who did not persevere. They did not want to abide by His word. They did not continue in the faith. Don't know exactly who all those are, but I've seen many. Now we get to the next part. We're in verse 35. Hmm. Okay, 35. I really thought I was going to be almost done. I think I kind of am. Ready? (laughs) Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. And if somebody hears that for the first time, what? If I lose it, I'll gain it. If I have it here now, I'll lose it. What? Paradox, profits and losses. It's a question the Lord is asking here, I guess. Hey, if you want to follow me, would you? Are you want to do this? Investing our lives for the kingdom of God or wasting our lives on ourselves. Don't waste your life. Your life is all about Christ. Your life is all about His people, the church. Christ and the church, the whole body. That's what your life is about. It's not about you anymore. Not at all. Matter of fact, you esteem others higher than yourselves. Oh, Jesus. What are you asking? You want to save your life? You'll lose it. Winning by losing. What a paradox. You know what? We are thinking the opposite of Christ before we know Christ. Everything that He believed in is everything that we didn't. You ever notice that? And vice versa. (laughs) It's upside down. It's upside down. Actually, 
Life is upside down. The world is upside down. John 12, 25. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in the world will keep it to life eternal. There's another one of those. Uh, so we're just not taking one text and just trying to twist it. We're seeing other verses that uh, say the same thing. Oh, this must be wrong. You know what? Guys, this is the gospel that is to be brought to people. They need to hear this for the first time. They need to hear what a cost it is. They need to hear that good bad news. They need to hear the good news. They also need to hear, okay, I want to tell you, your life from here on out is not going to be the same. Things are going to change. Sometimes it's going to be really rough. We need to tell them that. Because if they don't know about it, then they're not going to count the cost because they're going to think everything's just going to be juicy ride right on through this. And... Uh, that's not how we offer the gospel. You notice that we have been a small church. Hmm, I wonder why that is. I'm not sure. It's the Lord's will, I guess. But some who hear this would uh, really have a problem winning by losing. Jim Elliott, I have it on your bulletin this morning, right at the top. He is no fool who gives up what he can't keep to gain what he cannot lose. That was the missionary to the Alka Indians. He was in his 20s. He gave up his life. You might remember Elizabeth Elliot, who's had radio stations. She's lost several husbands. But he knew as he went there that he could possibly die. And he did. And the rest of his missionary friends He was willing to give his life up. But look what he gained. It's a whole different way of viewing life. What's your soul worth? Can you put a price on it? That's a question that somebody ought to ask an unbeliever. Can you put a price on your soul? What is a profit of man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The soul lives forever. Man, that's amazing. Did you know it will live forever? You consciously will live forever. You're, you're going. People who have not trusted in Christ are going to live in hell forever in punishment. That is in the Gospels. That's the truth of the Word of God. Or the people who go in heaven will live forever in joy and peace. Forever. Forever and ever and ever and ever. We're only here for a few decades. Man. Redeeming the soul. I am so glad my soul has been redeemed. It's been bought. Willing to give it all up. Willing to give up everything. If you saw, okay, here is this. Here's what I have. Here's what this is over here. That is so valuable. So precious. This is all I have. I've worked all my life, but I'm giving this up for this. I'm giving everything. That's a cost, isn't it? Okay? Jesus said it in Matthew 13. 
my little illustration is not as good as his. So let's go to the scripture in the parable scriptures in, in Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. It was worth everything that he had, that he owned, to get that field because he knew what was there. Next one. Again, kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, millions of dollars, he went, sold all that he had, and bought it. Those little parables are saying, when we look at the kingdom, when we look at Christ, I don't care what it costs, I'm giving it for this. This is what I'm getting. I'm willing to give it up. That's what you did when you became a Christian. Had you ever thought of it that way? You wouldn't wouldn't trade your soul for anything, would you? It would be ridiculous. But you know what? There are people that do that. Matter of fact, there are some people who give their souls to the devil. (laughs) Or they give their souls to the world. Valuable. Would you be willing to give up your comfort? Your relationships for Jesus Christ? See, the Gospel is never offered to people on the basis of, uh, why don't you take this because you get everything you want. It's offered to people on this basis. Does this offer have enough value to you that you'd be willing to give up everything, even your own life, for this? Are you willing? And let's look at the supreme value of the soul back in Mark 8, 36 and 37. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? Forfeit his soul for that? What will a man gain in exchange for his soul? How supreme it is. We're getting near that next or that last verse, right? Right at the end. The whole world. If you had everything, can you imagine that? All the money, all the cars, homes, I mean all the stuff that we would naturally value. You get the greatest mansion that's ever been built in, in this world on a beautiful lake. The weather is just perfect all year. I mean, everything. All of it. It's yours. Would you... Would you give... Would you take that? Would you take that? Is there Christ? Of course not. That's ridiculous to a Christian, isn't it? But what about other people? I don't know. All the world is not enough, is it? You're still going to have to die. Then what? You can't buy another life. You can't buy another soul. People sacrifice honor for profit. People sacrifice their principles in life. Things that they wouldn't have gone against and now they do for popularity. And people sacrifice lasting, eternal things for what? Temporal things. Can you imagine having the world and then having... all the money in the world, all the resources, doesn't equal the value of our soul. Folks, have you realized that? Do you know after beating you up here for an hour, I'm going to tell you that your soul is so valuable 
that all the things in the world, every, every aspect of it, cannot even come close to your soul. Your soul will live on for eternity. Your soul is worth more than everything in this world. The world will burn up. You think of Esau? Yep, he's birthright. How about the man who built bigger barns? Kept building bigger barns. The man was rich. He was loaded. Man, he was packed with the cash. He built another barn. And then his life, his soul was demanded that night. And that was it. Boom. And he went to hell. You are more valuable than all the material in the world. There's no price at all that can equal the value of your soul. We've been talking about dying to self and such. We're talking about the new man now. There's nothing more valuable than that as far as you're concerned of what you have. The infinite price and infinite value is attached to you. Christ loves us so much that what He has planned for us in eternity is beyond our imagination. Is it worth it? Last verse. He gives a warning. As if that wasn't enough. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this, look at this, adulterous and sinful generation, and that's today too, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of Him when He comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. There's a coming judgment. This is a hard invitation because it requires total abandonment. Self-denial, cross-bearing, loyal obedience, giving up your life so it can be saved. If you choose not to do that, if one, and we know our choosing is only because it's the will of God and, and, and His grace, but if people hang on to their own life and they don't go for Christ, they don't buy that pearl of great price, he will be ashamed of them. He won't, they don't identify with Him. They deny Him. They don't identify His words. They don't identify with His teaching. They don't embrace Him. And they live right in the middle of an adulterous, sinful generation. We live in an adulterous and sinful generation. It's a wicked world. But the Son of Man is coming back. And to some people, what a shame. Their lives are wasted. But to Christians, the second coming is not the judgment for us. It's that we get to be glorified with Him and His holy angels. Proverbs 29-25 talks about the fear of man. And that's one reason why people would not want to desire to follow Christ because of the fear of man. There is judgment but if we have Christ, we have been set free from that. The disciple of Jesus is a person who is continually, every day, being conformed to the image of Christ. Matthew 8, or Romans 8.29 He's the one who's constantly changing. He's constantly growing. Constantly knowing more about Christ. Folks, we have not arrived. You think you know just about everything? Take another look. You could be 95 and just growing in the Lord like crazy. You, you don't know anything yet. But you need to know. 
No, more and more. Don't quit. Don't give up. Paul continued to strive after the Master. Because he knew he didn't arrive. So a Christian is one who is serious and responsible and desires to keep growing. We want to finish well. A Christian that's mature knows who he is, knows who God is, He knows what to do, knows how to do it because of the biblical principle. Ed Henson, who wrote a book called The Biblical View of Man. When we have a proper view of God, then we start getting a proper view of man and self. We're called to be Christians. We're called to be little Christ. We're called to model our lives after Him. We know what happened. We know what goes beyond Sometimes there's a huge cost. Sometimes the cost isn't as big for others. There's always a cost. Cost. Look what it cost the Father as He sent His Son. So the call to follow Christ is ringing out this morning. And so will you follow unconditionally as even Christians? Is there something else that uh, you need to do? I think not. The call is there. The call has been done. Continue on. Don't quit. Don't give up. Father, we thank You for Your Word. These words are rather brutal. They can be brutal. But then they also set us free. They are liberating. They are full of grace. Because as You get us through this muck and mire in this sinful, adulterous generation that we live in, we will have eternity with You. And so we're willing to give up whatever it is as we continue to follow You for this great glory that awaits us as You will be right in our presence. In Your Son's name, Amen.